Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. There have been a number of times in past podcasts when we have talked about getting a business started. We've covered the topic from a number of different and informative angles uh, and provided, I think, a great deal of assistance to those looking to start or perhaps purchase a business. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and today we're going to focus on the other end of that life cycle and certainly the less investigated process of exiting a business. Succession planning is our topic, and if you are one of those business owners who has been able to start and build a successful business, well, congratulations. However, if you haven't planned uh, for the how and when questions of when you're uh, ultimately going to exit the operation, you may be overlooking a very critical component regarding the success that you have achieved so far. Now, today I'm going to be joined by a uh, a guest that we've had a number of times in the past. Uh, If you're a regular listener, you'll recognize Jim Voigt of Lavelle Law Limited. Jim's here, and we uh, plan to talk to him a little bit about this very important process of developing an exit strategy for your business. So let's go ahead and get started. Um, I want to bring Jim in and say thanks to him for being here. Jim, nice to talk to you again. Good talking to you, Jim. How are you? Good, good. So the topic today is, uh, as I mentioned there in the open, it's um, succession planning for a business, often overlooked, and a lot of great business people get themselves into a business but haven't really thought about the way to to get out of it. Now, certainly we know that the the hurdles of starting a business uh, are certainly well documented, and, and business owners understand how easy it is once they've got a business up and running, how easily it is to get wrapped up in the day to day. So first of all, just tell us briefly, why is it important to worry about what happens when you're done working? Well, really, I think the the, the most basic answer comes down to you want to maximize whatever value you're going to get out of this business when you go to close it down. And to be honest, even if you're just going to close it down and you're not looking to sell it or transition it to somebody else, there are a lot of loose ends that you want to tie up and do it correctly. And, you know, even some things as simple as you want to make sure that your customers are properly cared for. So um, there's there's a lot that goes into closing a business down, uh, really, honestly, just as much as goes into running it from day to day. You have to, all those things that you do from one day to the next to run your business, you have to figure out either, A, somebody else is going to do that, or B, what happens when you stop. So that's why our recommendation is always let's, let's start early so that we're not under a stress situation in, in a situation like this. Define early for me. I mean, at what point should someone really start thinking about succession planning once they have a business up and running? For a smaller business, let's say one that's owned by just one person or like a husband and wife corporation, something like that, you know, we always say three years is good because one of the things that we want to put together is three good, clean years of tax returns and financial reports. Now, maybe you already have those, but we want to really be managing the process of having nice, clean financials, nice, clean tax returns for three years, really getting the books and records in order. However, for larger companies where maybe multiple partners are involved, there are employees coming up through the ranks, um, we've got succession plans that we're working on with clients right now that are, gosh, 10 years in the works. So um, a, a larger company, it could be a very long, slow process, which is honestly one of the methods that we really prefer is that long, slow process. Interesting. Well, we'll maybe talk about that process in a little bit. But before we talk about process, let's, 
let's also talk about tools. We, we've talked about estate planning for individuals, and that, that often ties into business properties they, they've owned. And, and, and frequently we say, well, what, what happens to your property when you die? I'm, I'm sure that's a factor. But I think really what we're focusing on is someone who wants to retire or sell or, as you mentioned, dissolve a business. So you know, from a legal perspective, what, what tools can they use to help start building this plan? For a company that's just a small company that's going to look to sell, then the tool that we're going to use ultimately is going to either be a stock transfer agreement or an asset transfer agreement. Um, but we would begin the process of negotiating that early on with perhaps um, a letter of intent that gets everybody on the same page. And that's a simpler process. For a larger company where we're looking to, say, transition ownership to key employees over the course of time, there are a lot of different ways to do it. But just from a basic perspective, what we would do is enter into a contract um, where an employee would be given the right to make small purchases of stock over the course of time, and that might be an option agreement or just a, like a long-term stock transfer agreement. But those are the tools that we would use. Essentially, everything that we're doing here, we're just creating a document, and this is one of those situations where um, you know, we're, we're not going to start with a blank page. We're going to have some guidance as to what we would normally start with, but we can really craft this to be whatever the client wants it to be. So an important step for anyone looking at this process is to sit down with an attorney, I think first, to just have a discussion about succession planning and at least get an idea of what the available options are, then give it some thought, and then start to break it down a little bit more and just work back and forth with that attorney as you start to really come into clarity on exactly how you want it to work. But really, from a blank page, we could make it work almost any way somebody wants to. Now, you mentioned a couple things that, that sort of caught my interest, and you know, one of them is, potentially selling a small portion and on an annual basis to, uh, to a partner or employees. Um, certainly you're working with an attorney. You may be working with outside partners uh, on, on this plan, which could, you know, something may not happen for a number of years. But, you know, once other people become aware of the fact that there's a plan in the works, I, I suppose it sort of gets on people's radar. You know, how does an owner of a business who's just trying to be smart here make sure that they maintain control going forward just because word is out that there's a plan in place. Sure, there's a couple of things too. We, we, I'll address it in two ways. The first way is actual control of the company. How do you control who's on the board of directors or who is running this company? And we do that through careful documentation. So for example, if you're transferring small pieces of stock to your employees, your key employees over time, the idea is eventually they would have so much that they could outvote you on everything. And now you've got this company that you created and you could be thrown off of your own board of directors, kind of Steve Jobs style. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we draft into place um, some protections, and it might be just in the form of a shareholder agreement that says everyone will continue to vote for you as the sole board member. Or we've also done um, plans where the, the primary founding partner that's selling off pieces maintains a proxy, so he's actually got the voting authority over what it is that he's selling. So there are some real specific tools that we can use to make sure that you have actual legal control over your company until that day that you're ready to release it. You also raised another interesting question, which is what happens when word gets out that you're looking to sell? This is more of a business consulting question and less of a legal question, but it's something that we work very closely with our clients on because the problem that you'll run into is that when you announce to the world that you're looking to sell your company, it makes everyone nervous. Your customers get very nervous and your employees get very nervous. And the problem is you're not going to lose your worst employees because they're just happy to have a job, right? You're going to lose your top performers, you know. 
So mm-hmm. it's very important, and, and every case is a little bit different. There's no right answer as to do you bring this to your employees first or do you basically finalize the deal and then announce it at the last minute. That strategy will be different based on your particular company and how well you know your employees personally. So the, the most clear answer I can give you is how to handle the announcement that your business is for sale or is being sold is done on a case-by-case basis based on uh, your feel and the attorney's feel for what's the right strategy in your particular case. Now, we're talking to Jim Boyd of Lavelle Law Limited. Uh, Jim joins us frequently on the podcast to talk about uh, small business issues. And, you know, Jim, one thing that comes to mind, we, we talk about this being a potent, you know, a lengthy process, not not demanding, but one, as you said, is, is preferred to kind of take your time and work through it. But let's say, you know, I've, I've got a fairly young business. I get a plan in place. I, I know what I want to do. And over a few years, perhaps I merge with another business, my business grows, uh, perhaps my children get older and one is interested in, in coming on board and I'd, I'd like to move you know, the business into their name someday. Are these things flexible? I mean, if, if we've got a plan in, in five years, can I kind of tear it up and make a new plan? It depends. The answer might be no. So it's very careful. You have to, you have to be careful at the very beginning to, to make sure that whoever you're working with from an attorney perspective or a business consultant perspective, that you let them know that you need to, to have some flexibility built in. Because if we were to just document it up as a very simple, say, you know, staggered option agreement where this person, whether it's your child or a key employee, has the right to purchase this many shares every year until they basically take over the business from you, that might not be undoable <laughs> without their agreement. So we may be set in stone on that. So if, if keeping that kind of flexibility is important, then um, you need to let whoever the professionals are that you're working with know that right up front. However, my advice would be that you want to get your, yourself into a position where you have such a high level of confidence in the people that you're working with that you're transferring the stock to, whether it's all at once or over time, that that's really less of a factor. I would say if you're at a point where you would want to maintain a certain level of flexibility in the documents, you might not be ready to really pull the trigger to be working with whoever it is that you're transferring the stock to. Uh, so that's, that, that would be my first thought is are, are you really ready to let this thing go if we want to maintain that level of flexibility? Now, that being said, we've seen situations happen before where you're transferring stock to somebody that's a key employee and then they quit. Well, great, now you have this person working for a competitor that still owns stock in your company. That's easy to fix. That's, that's not really – we wouldn't consider that flexibility. We would just consider that more like you know, protection. Every document we do in these situations says if, if they lose their employment or if they leave their job for some reason, you know, we have to buy back all – we have the right to buy back all other stock. So, um, but, again, if you're just saying, well, what if I change my mind? Well, then let's wait. That would be my, my, my first initial thought. Okay, and and as a, as a legal representative that, that works with many businesses like this, you know, what do you look for throughout this process? You you mentioned a few good years of tax returns and and a, a sort of a plan for what you think you really want to do, and and uh, you know, kind of understanding the the scope of the business and where it's headed. What, what other factors do you look at to help a business owner make a good plan? There's uh, the, the number one thing, and I can't I, I, not just to repeat what you said, but because it's so important, I do want to just repeat this to say very clean financials prepared by a CPA 
um, and a clean uh, tax return. Other things that we look for, let's say that you're a manufacturer or you're a distributor. You know, we want to have things well organized. And, and I honestly, I describe it the same way. I had a, a very difficult experience one time with a realtor that came through my house to get it ready for sale. And I thought my house was pretty clean and pretty well organized. And she was very nice and very professional about it. But she pointed out all sorts of things that were kind of a mess that I just <laughs> didn't see because I was there every day. You know, uh-huh. And it can be the same thing in your business. So why I would recommend is that what the, the factors that you're talking about would probably be more the purview of a business broker. Have somebody that's a professional come in and say, what's messy around here that I don't even notice anymore because I'm in the middle of it every day? Um, and it's going to be things like organized inventory, good, clean records. Um, you know, in addition to just the financials, your inventory records are nice and clean and organized so that somebody can walk into your business, look through some key documents, and get a good understanding of what they're buying in a fairly quick order without having to rifle through 15 years of handwritten notes. And, and we've talked several times here about someone buying it, but at some point some businesses just may want to wind down and, and be done. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is the process significantly different to make sure that you can just close up and not have any residue that's going to come back and haunt you later? Yes, the first thing we want to do is take a look at what contracts do you have out there that you're stuck with. And one of the simple ones that almost everybody forgets about is their merchant agreement on their credit card. A lot of times, uh, the credit card processing that they use, and a lot of times there's a, an early termination fee there. So you know, that's just one example of some of the many contracts that you're involved in. You've got utility bills and you've got leases. So we want to take a look at all of those things and find out when do these things start to naturally expire. And if it's going to be too far out and we can't wait that long, what steps do we need to take right now to, say, wind up your lease cancel your merchant um, agreement early, or at least get them transferred over to somebody else. The other thing that we want to take a look at is what agreements do you have with your customers? A lot of businesses, like a consultant, could just stop consulting, and that's fine, but many consultants have contracts that last for a year. Um, Also, two manufacturers, they may have orders that are spaced out over several months or even several years that they have to make deliveries on. So we need to just take a look at anything that you have that you're in the middle of, uh, where are we on that, and how do we get out of it? And that's, that's the analysis there. Sometimes it's very, very simple, but it, it can be complex uh, depending on how active the business is. Well, great. Uh, our guest today has been Jim Voigt, and uh, always enjoy talking to Jim. Our time seems to go very quickly when we visit. So uh, if you're like me and you'd like to hear more, find out more, you can get information at lavellelaw.com. You'll find Jim's profile there. You'll find some articles that he's written in the past as well as podcasts that he's joined us for. And, of course, uh, contact information, well worth a phone call or an email into Jim to continue this conversation and ask some more detailed questions, things that perhaps we didn't get to today. I want to thank him for being here. Thank you for listening and look forward to talking to you on our next conversation. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. 